This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this podcast is a conversation on the Four Faith Weekly Devotional sent out every Friday. You can find a link in this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe to Four Faith in this episode's description. Bishop, uh, it's so good to be back with you. I read your Four Faith devotional today, and what stuck out most to me was leadership. Uh, It's something that I aspire to be. I want to be a good leader, not because of how you mentioned the role, but because I want to have a good, great impact on the world that we live in today. And so you had a lot of good insight about what leadership is and what leadership isn't based upon the story in Matthew 20. Bishop, you say that leadership is a set of behaviors available for anyone at any time to choose and use. And then you go on to say that those tools are most effectively used by people willing to give their lives to close the gaps in the world. So I'm wondering what what behaviors you you're thinking of when you say that. Yeah, I appreciate that that question. This is a conversation I've been having for a, a couple of decades, uh, um, you know, through ordained ministry and, and and prior to ordained ministry, it's it's a subject that spent a lot of uh, a lot of hours in the classroom and conversations about. And I think what's exciting about Jesus when you read Jesus through the lens of leadership is is that he's way ahead of of the Harvard Kennedy School or the Sloan School at MIT or Stanford <laughs> School. I mean, his his paradigms, his leadership paradigms are timeless. Um, when I read what's cutting edge now in those wonderful centers of learning, um, I, I know my Bible and I see that Jesus is living them out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so um, uh, the leadership behaviors, at least uh, distilled really simply, are uh, the ability to diagnose a situation, right? The ability to see. And the second second uh, capacity, second behavior is self-management, right? Not not bringing my low ceiling uh, to to a situation, but but managing myself, being curious, wanting to learn, wanting to grow so that I don't hinder uh, the system uh, or the situation. Uh, leadership behavior number three is the ability to mobilize people. Right, Jesus shows us that uh, he invites people on a journey, and and mobilizing people has everything to do with purpose and authenticity and speaking from the heart. And then the last uh, capacity, last leadership behavior, uh, is uh, to intervene skillfully, and and we watch Jesus do these. I mean, if you hold up those four, and then you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you see Jesus do this time and time again. Jesus chooses to be in situations. And he chooses to back out of situations. He chooses his words carefully. He chooses not to dither around the edges or with trifling things, but chooses to go just for the heart of things about values and worldviews and about dig- human dignity and neighborliness. I mean, he he spends his energy uh, in really particular ways. And so uh, we've just said goodbye and are saying goodbye to John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis and uh, Reverend C.T., uh, Vivian, two folks that I got I had the privilege of getting to know, and when you look down at their lives over you know six decades, you see them incarnate those behaviors uh, that I that I just described. So leadership definitely is not a role. In fact, I would argue that there are no leaders. There are people who exert leadership behavior. Hmm. 
That's great. I, I just, I, <laughs> I got caught up listening to you and I'm, I'm going, yes, yes, absolutely. Can you keep talking? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So let's talk about intervening skillfully then as a follow-up to that. Sure. What exactly do you think intervening skillfully in today's world might look like? Well, uh, intervening skillfully just is, it means is, is getting to a really consequential intersection. And, and what you got to love about Jesus is, is that Jesus democratized leadership, right? I mean, the the religious folks, uh, the, the formerly you know sort of uh, religious institution people, kept asking, "Where do you get your authority?" But Jesus kept saying, "It wasn't about authority granted by credentials. It was just out of one's purpose, out of one's heart, out of what what one believes one is on the planet to do." And so. You, you bring that energy, you use that energy, harness that energy, that fire, uh, and that takes you to particular situations. And so when we think about Jesus intervening skillfully, we watch Jesus show up uh, at a stoning of a woman, for instance, uh, uh, a woman uh, guilty of adultery. Uh, uh, parenthetically, uh, she was the only one going to be killed for, uh, with, for adultery. And I, last time I checked, you had to do adultery with somebody. But, but because, of, because, uh, because she was female, uh, she she was loaded up with all of the offense and all this. And anyway, he in, intervenes there in a particular way. He he uses his words, he uses his language uh, to 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 walk back, um, you know, capital punishment. In other intersections, he shows up in Jerusalem at a particular time in a particular way. He exerts himself in a particular way. He he uh, at the feeding of the five thousand. Right. Uh, his disciples say, hey, man, these people are hungry. Let's send them away. Let them, you know, let's adjourn. Let them find their own meals. Jesus says, you feed them. Uh, and, and so intervening is using one's personal authority, uh, informal or, or formal authority, right, to to close the gaps that exist. And Jesus does this, and, and the two gentlemen, C.T. And, and, and John, have done this. And, and I argue that, that that is what we're all called to do in small and large ways, whether we're talking about uh, um, among our sphere of influence, um, uh, you know, formally at the office or uh, in our church meetings, et cetera. You know, those gaps um, that, that, uh, that are not in alignment with what we say, let's say, on Sunday or what we pray on Sunday— those are opportunities to intervene and skillfully so. Thank you. I sometimes my heart laments the current landscape of the way our leaders, both both political leaders and even church leaders, sometimes treat one another and treat the people they're leading. And I, I just want to share this brief story. My my kids and I were at my son's baseball game. So Little League started back up. We're all socially distancing, except of course the kids on the field who, (laughs) I don't know why we're doing this, but we are. And my girls were talking about the game and how mean some of the kids are to one another and how mean some of the coaches are to the kids. And the three of us sat there, my two daughters and myself were talking about how the game, the landscape of the game has changed so drastically in the decades or generations that uh, of the days of old where, where the game used to be about friendly rivalry and character building. Uh, and people looked forward to lifting one another up. And, and gosh, that's even what the sport of the Olympics is all about. The spirit of the Olympics is about. And how the competition has turned to one of 
um, dog eat dog and winning, winning, winning at all costs. And and now we've got cheating going on in so many areas. And and so I'm curious. I'm I'm wondering if you can share about the plague of competition and and how it maybe has affected our our very leadership that we see we're lifting up today. Yeah, I I um I observe you know what you observed. I I I, I um it's my my you know sort of observation that that somehow uh, and it's it's been around I, I think since the human beings have been around. We we find ourselves in situations where it's it's great and first at any cost, right? Great and first at any cost, and 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 that's sort of the very definition of sin, isn't it? Right? It 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 is it is to put myself in the center, you know, come what may, uh, uh, you know, uh, whoever it hurts to run roughshod over people, and we've done this as individuals we've done this as as groupings we've done this as a nation nations do this again and again and again and so so it you know one wonders you know what's the missing piece deep down inside right if you have to be first uh at any cost what's wrong with you what what's missing what why why don't you know that there's enough i mean i i'll be the first one i i enjoy and 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 easton davis knows i i i enjoy a good competition uh I enjoy uh, a, a good basketball game. You know that was when the when the ankles used to hold out. I enjoy all of that, but I I, I think that uh, I think that we can we can we can aspire for excellence without having to crush other people. I, I think this is what Jesus is talking about. And and then a great and first in what right? I mean I think this is where Jesus really goes. This is what's really the this is the sixty four thousand dollar matter here, which is. What do you really want to be great and first at? I've, I've done probably, I don't know, by this time in my ministry, uh, a thousand uh, eulogies. And, and, I, and, and, and um, what has always gotten people teary-eyed and what always seems to be most meaningful is when, when the person who, 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 is, uh, who is now dead uh, and being remembered, is, it, it was those acts of kindness. It was those acts of, of of great love, it was those those uh, acts of uh, wanting to be first in compassion that rem- that are being remembered in palpable ways, and that people take that away uh, when the service is concluded. And so, I think what Jesus is trying to say is is that yeah, you know, it's easy. The shallow end of the pool is is to be great and first uh, by crushing other people. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, right? I mean, that's just sort of the law of the jungle. But but are we more than that? And if we're more than that, and if we want to be civilized, and the backbone of any real civilization is, will you be great and first in regarding neighbor, right? I mean, will you be great and first distinguish yourself in making sure that people at the edges have enough? Um, you know, if you if you uh, move over and, and think about some of our great biblical scholars, uh, they realize that what we're talking about here is a redistribution of focus, right? A redistribution of focus away from uh, the celebrity, and we seem to be a celebrity-obsessed culture, and away from the great and mighty, uh, and, and for us to redistribute our energy, our attention, our focus, our intention uh, to those who don't have enough, to those who are on the edge, so that we move the entire society, the entire world forward. Jesus was always clear about that, and when you think about him being Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and yet born to nobodies in nowhere, 
and regarding nobodies who were sick and unwell and part of groups that were disparaged, you see the genuine walking, talking article. You see him actually be that before he even talks about it. That's great. Bishop, thank you so much. Friends, we'll be right back with four people after this short break. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome back to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. So Bishop, when we started this, when you started talking about leadership, you mentioned Harvard Business Review and the the leadership books. And as you were talking, you very clearly rattled off four major tenets to what leadership is and how Jesus exemplified his style of leadership. And I, I kept thinking, all right, is there a book written about this yet? Like I've got lots of leadership books on my bookshelves and I want to read that book. And so Bishop, have you read a book that you're, you're sharing or is this your, your insight? And, and if, if the book hasn't been written yet, come on, are you going to write it? (laughs) Thank you, Melissa, for causing good (laughs) trouble, as John Lewis would say, good trouble. Um, well, no, uh, actually, I've, I've, I've shopped the idea around with some people, and it's actually not presently um, distilled in, in the fashion that I would distill it. Um, uh, I, I guess what I want to say is, is that um, what, you know, I, I have read and studied, continue to read and study scripture, and I have had uh, various uh, wonderful sort of journeys and learnings with, with people who are sort of at the top of the uh, national and international conversation about leadership. And um, what's exciting for me when I bring my biblical uh, uh, knowledge and appreciation to those leadership questions is, is that I, I see them articulate these wonderful uh, sort of uh, uh, schematics about what leadership is and capacities, et cetera. And every time I listen to them, I, I, I see that Jesus has been there already. And so what that calls me to think is that, wow, God is a genius. You know, and so when I study, uh, and I don't like these words, but when I study secular literature, you know, I see that really truthfully, uh, you know, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? And so I see that uh, the study of leadership through the lens of what Jesus actually did, a distillation of Jesus's actual paradigms is genius and it's still, it's timeless and it still works and it still changes things. I mean, again, so, so yeah, so that's a way to say that I, I realize there's a niche. Uh, I think that there's a niche. Um, I, I will, ha- I had, did have one experience that really affirmed that for me. I was, I was, uh, uh, I think I was in Cleveland, Ohio some time ago and I was uh, preaching and teaching there at the invitation of a friend and um, people gathered after church to sort of talk about this, that, and the other thing and wanted me to sort of do some little tap dance about whatever it is I was talking about. And I began to talk about Jesus and the Harvard Business Review. And it was interesting to watch many of the many of the men and some of the sort of professional women leave the coffee table uh, and come up to the front of the room because they wanted to hear that. They had not heard Jesus in that light before. And so it, that made me, that was just one small example of, I, I think if we talked about Jesus in that way, um, that might uh, win some new uh, celebrity for Jesus. 
uh, and people might be able to see the treasure trove uh, of how he walked and how he talked and, and why it's still relevant. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop Rob Wright's going to write yeah, a great book. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Bestseller. I do. I think it, it it's great. I mean, it'll give you the chance to really speak from your heart and intervene skillfully yeah, well, because I think it's right in a, in a world we desperately you're need You're using to hear. all my words against me. Well done. Uh-huh. Well done. Thank you for that. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, okay. So let's lead to, to, to a bit more of, of a worldly issue we got going on right now. There's a lot of nationalism going on in the world today, in our country, and many other countries. We're not the only country suffering from uh, a more of an insular approach and nationalistic view. And I I don't know, maybe it's just America wanting to be the best and saying that we're the best at everything. I'm wondering what you think we might do as a church to invade that language or or change that narrative as a Christian and as a U.S. citizen? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, what's interesting about this story that Jesus uh, gives us here uh, is, is that Jesus doesn't... Uh, well, Dr. King preached a sermon a long time ago called The Drum Major Instinct, The Drum Major Instinct. He said everybody wants to be out front with the big hat and the baton leading the band. Everybody wants that sort of gaze, right? So so what Jesus does in this story is he doesn't say that exceptionalism is bad. He just says, if you want to truly be exceptional, be exceptional in this way, right? And so I think, I think that if, if we want to be great in America, I have no problem with that. But let us be great and different, unique, and take up leadership in a particular way, right? And so I think that should, um, that has to move the conversation. I mean, and I think that you know, again, this is not, you know, about just sharing opinions. It's about uh, converted people. Jesus said that, you know, when you do this, you know, you give your life as a ransom, right? So um, I think that, you know, the political system is not going to change until more people are persuaded to live this particular way. And so, you know, until the church is emancipated and courageous and, you know, then then we're not going to infect in positive ways the larger society until we decide to be great first and different uh, in the way that Jesus taught us to be great first and different, then, you know, then it's just Sunday morning, Sunday morning sort of pop piety. Right. So, I mean, again, why CT Vivian and why John Lewis um, have such a wide following and, and such an outpouring of love and support is because when people meet the genuine, genuine article, it changes things. Doesn't mean we always agree. Doesn't mean we always agree. We'll never uh, always agree. But but uh, what, what people can say is that they they have met the genuine article. I mean, John Lewis was the the, the conscience of the Congress. Didn't say he, uh, he was. Uh, you know, everybody agreed with everything that came out of John Lewis's mouth. Absolutely not. Um, and even when C.T. Vivian chose uh, nonviolence in uh, in Mississippi and Alabama, there were he had his critics among his own people say who said nonviolence is not the way. But he decided and was very committed and willing to give his life for great, first, and different in a particular way. And so Jesus says that. So I, I, I'm holding out hope that America will be exceptional and will be great, but not uh, simply because of our, our military and not simply because of, uh, of our gross uh, domestic product. Uh, I, I still believe the world needs leadership. I still believe we could be a, a, light, you know, a city on a hill. 
uh, for the world. I believe all of that. Uh, it, it's just that Jesus says, he takes those ideas and says, but in this way, have we, I mean, keep an eye out as we, we walk into this political situation, uh, season rather, uh, watch and see if we have a, a substantive conversation about the poor, right? Well, uh, watch and see if we have a substantive conversation with real imaginative solutions about uh, the, the, you know, our, uh, the growing frailty of our population because of age and, 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 uh, and poor health, you know, watch and see, um, you know, the, the, you know, isolation and isolationism is not the same thing as, as nationalism, right? I mean, you know, Jesus, uh, again, models this alternative. I, th- I think what we don't see in Jesus's leadership is how radically different it is from the way we live. In fact, he points out that he's inviting us to be different. And he says, you see the, how folks do it in the world. Some exercise their authority in a particular way. Some are tyrants. Some are command and control. It shall not be that way with you. You will do it differently. And so what we're talking about is the church, you and I who baptize and believe, finding the capacity, increasing the capacity, asking God for the capacity to live this out. People won't I mean, given social media, you know, uh, so the proliferation of opinions, I mean, uh, it's all just talk. People want to meet it. When they meet it, right, that gives people an occasion to say, hmm, you know, the real world. How many times have people preached really compelling sermons and then uh, that that preacher's hand uh, is shaked uh, in the welcome line, and people say, now we're into the real world. It's like, what do we just do for the last hour and 15 minutes? We just participate in mass delusion. Now, if we did, well, good, then the church is not worth anything. But if we articulated an alternative way to live so as to bend reality towards the gospel, now that's worth it, right? And so I've, I think this is what Jesus is is, is doing. He's, he's, he's not take, taking these disciples and saying, your request to be great and first is bad. It's just the real article looks like this. Right. Well, it breaks my heart when I read these words. You say leadership in, in Jesus's leadership model, there are no claims of superiority and no cruelty is acceptable. And I just, I, I, my prayer is that we can start intervening when we see the cruelty and uh, maybe even convince people who don't understand that cruelty is very real and that they might even be a part of it. Um, Maybe give them new lenses to see what's actually going on. So with that, Bishop, I'm really grateful for spending this time with you. I'm wondering if you have any last thoughts for our folks. Melissa, thanks for the conversation about two of my favorite subjects, uh, Jesus and leadership. And, uh, uh, just as a way to conclude, I guess um, we start off with um, what is our personal real definition of great first and different? Uh, and if we can get that articulated uh, and, and, and know that that's where we are right now, then we've got to give that to Jesus. And I think that's what he's saying. So what would it be like for you and I uh, at the conclusion of this podcast and going forward uh, to make sure that our definition of great first and different uh, corresponds and is in alignment with what Jesus's definition of great first and different is. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review. 
and we'll be back with you next week.